the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Because of ten years that I spent with the Christadelphians, who are sort of like Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, but they came from England, um, I read the Bible a lot. That was what they did. They read the Bible every year. Actually, they read the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice every year. So by the time I had gone to seminary, I had read the Gospel of John at least 60 times, probably more. But it wasn't until I went to seminary that I understood that in the Gospel of John, the glory of Jesus The big aim of Jesus, the peak moment in Jesus' life, was not the resurrection. It was his death. Jesus' glory was his death. And so I've never forgotten that. And as I read the Gospel of John now, um, I looked for, well, this time particularly, I looked for a progression. And I kind of saw it. And that's what I hope to share with you, excuse me, today. A progression of glory climaxed by the the crucifixion. And it was not a perfectly smooth, linear going up to boom, the moment of crucifixion. It was up and down and a few hiccups. And today's reading is what I would call a hiccup in Jesus' increasing glory. We start out immediately with John the Baptist saying that he saw the Holy Spirit land on Jesus. That's pretty good. And then Nathaniel is called. Andrew brings Nathaniel and says, come on, we found the Messiah. Nathaniel's a doubter. Nah, who can come good from Nazareth? But Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel goes, whoa. And Jesus says, you're impressed about that. You're going to see greater and greater things. You're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And then there is the first sign, what John's gospel calls the first sign, and that is the wedding in Cana, where Jesus turns all that water, 120 gallons of water, into wine. But if you'll recall, he didn't want to do it. It was his mother who said they need wine, and he goes, it's not my time yet, mother. And like a good Jewish mother, she said, you do what he says, son, get busy. And he did. And then... uh, One of the next things he does is chase the money changers and the vendors out of the temple, which grabs grabs the attention of the people. And then he heals an official's son of an illness from a distance. And that's what is referred to in the very first line today. After Jesus healed the son of the official in Capernaum, there was a festival of the Jews, yada, yada. Uh, He did that, and that was his second sign. Cana was the first, and the healing of this official son was the second son. And then we have today's story, which sounds okay in the part that we read, but there's a lot more after this, and it's kind of a mess. Did you notice that the man didn't answer the question? Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? And he starts complaining, every time the water gets stirred up, Everybody pushes ahead of me, and I don't get in. He doesn't even say, yes, I really want to be healed. Nope. He complains, and he's not the best person that Jesus healed later on in the story. There's an ominous last line in our gospel. Now that day, 
was the Sabbath, the day Jesus healed him, even though he didn't say he wanted to be healed. And it just goes on from worse to worse. The people who were out to get Jesus grabbed that man and said, you can't carry your mat today. It's the Sabbath. And he said, well, that man told me to who? I don't know. But he finds out. And then he comes back and he tells him, it's Jesus. It was Jesus that told me to carry my mat today. He rats on Jesus. He doesn't say thank you. And he doesn't bow and prostrate himself. So even though it looks like glory, it's kind of a messy glory in today's gospel. And then, but Jesus doesn't stop there, of course. He goes on to feed the 5,000. And then he gives that, in John 6, he does that famous passage that um, we all know about. I am the bread of life. <clears throat> he who comes to me must eat my body and drink my blood. And he loses a lot of followers that day because of that. And then we have in John 9, we have the man born blind. And we begin to get the sense of glory because the disciples say, well, Jesus, was this man or his parents? Were they the, which was the sinner that this man was born blind? And Jesus says, neither. This man was born blind that God's glory might be displayed. And he heals that man. And this man, unlike the one from today's gospel, this man is wowed. And he follows Jesus. And then we have the Good Shepherd passage, which we all know about. We heard a reading from a few Sundays ago. And after Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd, people try to kill him two times. And then Lazarus's illness. Do you see the glory building up? He healed the man born blind. And now Lazarus? Lazarus dies. And Jesus tells his disciples, Jesus lingers. He does not go quickly to heal Lazarus. He lingers and he tells his disciples, this illness is for the glory of God and God's son. Glory. Glory in raising the dead. It's getting better and bigger and bigger. And because so many people saw Lazarus dead and then alive again, in John, there is a triumphal entry where many of the people who are welcoming Jesus, waving palms, are there because of Lazarus. And so, he's beginning to be glorified. And in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, John, um, Jesus, I'm sorry, is talking to his disciples a lot about his upcoming glory and about love, the new commandment, that his disciples, his followers, love one another as he has loved them. And of course, they don't understand yet how much love he's going to have for them, because he hasn't been crucified yet. That's still to come. And he tells them that no greater love has anybody than that they lay down their life for their friends, but they still don't know he's going to do that. And then in the Gospel of John, we have the crucifixion that is different from the ones in the other Gospels. It's very stylized. It is not meant to be taken literally. There were no people standing at the foot of Jesus's cross except soldiers. Jesus was crucified naked. It was an ugly, brutal place to be. And there were no mothers standing and talking to their sons. 
but it's symbolic. The idea that there is a beloved disciple and Jesus' mother, and he tells them, Mother, this is your son, and beloved disciple, this is now your mother, is the creation of a different kind of community. A community based not on circumcision or even family ties, but based on love. Love one another as I have loved you. But along the way, John's Gospel covers three years. The others only cover one, but John covers three years. And along the way, all along the way, as Jesus' glory increased and increased until the climax at his death, people detected Jesus' glory. Different people detected different things because they didn't, all of Jerusalem, all of Israel didn't follow him all over as he wandered. Some would see him in Galilee. Some would see him in Jerusalem. Some, know, some were fed um, with the loaves and fishes. There were people who detected God's glory along the way. And now that Jesus is gone, he expects his disciples to also proclaim and live out God's glory which is love. The fact that the crucifixion is the height of glory in John's Gospel is because it was the ultimate act of love. And so I'm going to leave you with two questions today. Do you see God's glory? Do you detect it? Because it's there. I myself find that I see it better when I am weak, when I am hurting, when I'm stressed, and I see it in acts of kindness. And sometimes those acts acts of kindness undo me. I have received many acts of kindness lately, and I don't know if you know it, but I am... (laughs) I displayed it today when I could not even remember the prayer that I have prayed many times. I'm stressed. And so, when people are kind to me, I am undone. I want to fall down on my face before God in thanksgiving for acts of kindness. I've received many lately, but one that made me cry was yesterday when I was longing, just longing to be held. When you're single, you don't get touched a lot. And I wanted not just a quick hug, I wanted to be held like my husband used to hold me. And someone did. It wasn't a man, it was a woman. And she just held me and held me. And I realized that what I had wanted so badly had come to me through this little tiny woman. And I saw the glory of God in that act of kindness, that act of love. So I leave you today with that question. 
Do you see the glory of God? Where do you see it? And then one more question. How can each of us proclaim the glory of God for others? Amen.